welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast, your source for information about all things women's hormonal health. I'm your host, Sophie Shepard. I'm the founder of She Talks Health and the co-creator of the 12-week Empower Her group gut and hormone program. I'm a certified functional health coach and a holistic menstrual health educator. This podcast was created to give you clarity about how to take control over your hormonal health using safer, natural options. I created this podcast to cover the widespread and complex health issues plaguing women today. From the rise of infertility to the epidemically high numbers of women with autoimmune disease to menstrual cycle problems, digestive issues, anxiety, weight gain, food sensitivities, mental, emotional, and energetic imbalances, and so much more. If there's a topic that you need answered, I encourage you to write us at podcast at shetalkshealth.com and we will try our absolute best to cover that subject. My greatest mission in life is to help women radically change their health and their lives by teaching them how they can use their hormones as their superpowers. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the She Talks Health Podcast. I am your host, Sophie Shepard, and the founder of She Talks Health. I am so, so pumped to talk about this particular topic today because it is something that you all have asked about, reached out about, and I really, really want to always be providing you guys with value and current things you are struggling with. So we are going to be talking about the concept of what to do after coming off birth control. So I have gotten a myriad of different types of messages, especially on my Instagram. Hey, Sophie, I just came off birth control and I don't know what products to use. Or, hey, Sophie, I'm trying not to get pregnant, but I'm not using birth control anymore. Or, hey, Sophie, my birth control isn't working really well for me and I am going to be coming off of it. You know, what can I do to prevent some of the symptoms that I had prior to being on birth control? So there's a lot of questions that us people with periods have when it comes to transitioning off birth control. And to be clear, this is not a podcast telling you to come off your medication. You should always, always, always speak to your medical doctor about transitioning on or off medication. And that includes birth control. So please, please do that. Don't just, you know, come off birth control without speaking to your doctor, but straight up, it can be pretty terrifying to come off of hormonal contraceptives. For most of us, we had the fear of God put into us as young adults, uh, or maybe even children, teenagers, about getting pregnant without the use of hormonal contraceptives. I mean, I know I definitely did. And because it can take up to 12 years for young girls and women to actually regulate their periods and their hormones. And I think because we live in a society that is truly about quick fixes and taking a pill for an ill, the second a teenager has a painful cycle or acne pop up, we're so often presented with hormonal contraceptives as our catch-all solution. And many of us are put on those hormonal contraceptives to, quote, regulate our period when we're in our young teens. And I know that that was my case. I had pretty painful periods when I was 15. That's when I went on the pill. And I stayed on it for about seven years. 
And just to be super clear, the pill does not regulate your period. The main mechanism of action with hormonal contraceptives is to shut off the communication between your brain and your ovaries. This is so that you don't ovulate and therefore there's no way for you to get pregnant. Okay. So what that means is while we are off birth control, um, while we're on birth control, when we transition off, a lot of our previous symptoms can pop up, especially if we were never able to really look into the root cause of what was causing this hormonal imbalance in the first place. And so what I'm finding is this trend as more and more research comes available or women are transitioning into their 30s perhaps and they want to start having children or maybe they're just not interested in being on medication anymore or perhaps they're having a reaction they think is being caused by hormonal birth control. A lot of them are reaching out and they are you know, asking me all these questions or I just hear a lot of people who are coming off birth control and saying, you know what, this is not, this is not for me. I don't want to be on hormones. I don't want to be on medication. So, um, by the way, if you haven't yet watched my birth control workshop, that is something I'd highly recommend. We'll link it in the show notes. Um, this is going to give you all those pros and cons of all the different types of birth control so that you can actually speak directly to your provider with a bucket of knowledge and information and ask about what the best options are for you. But say that you have already had that conversation and you've decided with your provider that, I am definitely coming off the pill, or you already know that you're going to be coming off hormonal contraceptives, then there might be a lot of questions coming up. You might have questions like, what will I do to prevent pregnancy? Or what can I do to get pregnant? And what kind of products do I need on board to make my experience with my period less um, less <laughs> obtrusive and, and something that is actually maybe even enjoyable? Um, or maybe you might be really concerned about those symptoms coming back. And if there was anything that you could do to prevent them from coming back. So let's get into some of these topics. We won't be able to cover everything in this podcast. And I actually did create a new resource that you can do on your own. It's called I'm off birth control. Now what? And this is a woman's guide to supporting your body after the pill. And this is a self-paced program that you can take yourself through to answer some of these questions in more detail than I could possibly do in a short podcast. So the first question that comes up the most often is, how do I know when I'm fertile? How do I know um, what to do to prevent pregnancy now that I'm not taking birth control? Or conversely, I want to get pregnant. How do I know when to have sex in order to produce a child? So let's start with some basics. A woman can really only become pregnant approximately six days out of the entire cycle, which is pretty jaw-dropping. I definitely did not learn that in sex ed class. I thought that you could get pregnant literally by looking at a boy. (laughs) So I don't know about you, but that was a huge game changer when I learned that and that I didn't really need to suppress my hormones the entire month for pregnancy when I could really only get pregnant in a very short amount of time. So that made me feel a lot better but I wanted to know more. So let's look at some of the science behind this. Your body ovulates once in a cycle. And right before you ovulate, your cervical mucus will change. And it becomes the consistency of about an egg white that you can stretch between your fingers. This is your fertile cervical mucus. And if you've had sex a few days before your ovulation event, you know, without protection, your cervical mucus could be helping support the sperm in its mission to find its way to your eggs. And that's because 
fertile cervical mucus actually keeps sperm alive and swimming upstream. It's part of the evolution of our bodies and the decision our body makes every single month to actually hopefully get you pregnant, whether or not you actually want to get pregnant or not, that's what's going on every single month. And your sperm can survive up to five days in healthy cervical mucus. So on ovulation day, approximately midway through your cycle, an egg is going to be released from a follicle. And if that egg does not meet sperm within about 24 hours of being released, it will disintegrate. And that's because your um, egg can actually only survive about 12 to 24 hours once it's been ruptured out of the follicle. So once you can confirm ovulation through various methods that we're going to talk about, like cervical mucus tracking or basal body temperature, your cervix actually closes and it fills with a thick mucus that stops sperm from passing through. And this also is a time when your vagina becomes more acidic, which also helps in killing sperm. Additionally, after you ovulate, you create the corpus luteum, which we've talked about on this podcast ad nauseum. <laughs> the corpus luteum is a temporary hormonal gland that creates the hormone progesterone. And this will continue to prevent ovulation for the remainder of your cycle. So hence, this is why you can really only get pregnant approximately six days out of the entire cycle. Now, this is one reason why tracking your cycle, if you're off hormonal birth control, is just so, so important, whether it be for pregnancy or to avoid pregnancy. And when used properly, various natural family planning or um, fertility awareness-based methods um, for birth control actually can be up to 99.4% effective when they are done properly, okay? But the range could be significant from somewhere from 75% up to 99%. And that's really based off of the method that you're using and whether or not you're using it properly. So if this seems kind of like, all new information and over the head, over your head, you might want to consider working with a practitioner. Um, we have a really incredible podcast with um, my friend Melissa, who is an incredible fan practitioner, and she really goes into the intricacies of tracking your cycle in her program. And we will link her podcast and her um, her business website. So you can check her out as well, because I do think that when you're first transitioning off of birth control and you're trying to figure all this out, it can be so helpful to have an ally to help you read your chart and increase your effective rate. And I think another really important thing to note is that for about three cycles, at least after coming off birth control, using FAM alone or fertility-based awareness methods is really not a good idea for preventing pregnancy, mostly because your brain and your ovaries are just starting to communicate again. And so you have to be extra careful during this time and use extra precautions if pregnancy is not your goal. So say you maybe have heard of these things before, or you're just kind of curious, well, what else can I do? Or um, I want to learn more. So there are a couple different ways you can track your cycle. You can do the cervical mucus tracking, and I would highly recommend, again, working with someone like Melissa. But another way to track your fertile window is by using basal body temperature tracking, or BBT. And this is where you stick a thermometer under your tongue every single morning at the same time and record it on a piece of paper. When you see a consistent rise in your temperature, you know that your body has ovulated. And this is because that hormone progesterone is actually a warming hormone. And women post-ovulation have a sustained temperature rise until their periods arrive. And this can be tricky for some women because not every woman goes to bed and wakes up at the same time, or even things like social drinking can disturb your temperature. 
And finally, if you have hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's like I do, BBT might not be the most effective way for you to track your cycle, or you might need to add additional things like the cervical mucus just to make sure that you're tracking properly. And then of course, most women know about OPKs or ovulation predictor kits. These are a urine test strip, which measure luteinizing hormone, the hormone that rises in order to help the egg release from the follicle at ovulation. Now, these can definitely be a little tricky, um, especially if you're dealing with something like polycystic ovary syndrome. And I definitely don't suggest relying only on OPKs to tell you when you are ovulating, um, because if you're trying to get pregnant, you might miss your window. Um, and also, I just think it's, it's really good to have all these other tools on board so that you have that higher efficacy rate if you're trying to not get pregnant. I personally do a record, I do like a combination of these things. So I actually do um, a, a couple of things for my basal body temperature. I do cervical mucus tracking and I use an OPK and that makes me feel the most secure in my efficacy. So you can use Femtech or tracking devices if the entire idea of tracking your cycle with a thermometer under your tongue and writing this all down and trying to figure it out is just completely overwhelming to you you may want to consider a device to help you track. So there are really helpful products like TempDrop or Daisy that track your BBT electronically in their app and in their charts. You can also look into urine test strips. Like there's a company called Prove, which we actually had the founder, Amy, on this podcast. And Prove is a test that will do both your LH, so your typical ovulation predictor kit that I was just talking about, which you would take to see when ovulation is occurring, but they also test a metabolite of progesterone, that hormone that's created after ovulation. And this is really helpful, especially in the world of trying to conceive to see how well you ovulated, therefore how much progesterone you created. Um, this can be a key, key factor when women are trying to actually conceive and understand why they might not be conceiving. And that's actually why Amy created Proof. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I would definitely recommend going back and listening to it. Um, and if you want to try Proof, you can also do Proof 25 for a 25% off discount code. Um, so this is something that I use. I really like their app. I can see my chart. I can see what's going on. And I, I just love it. So it's a really helpful additional support system. But I also use my temp drop for basal body temperature tracking, and I also do cervical mucus tracking. So there's a couple of words of caution here. One, if you're using a period app to record symptoms, but that app is not something like Daisy or TempDrop that's really actually measuring your temperature change or you're inputting your cervical mucus change or something like that, this app cannot tell you when you ovulated unless it specifically says it does. Like in the example of Daisy, this is actually FDA approved, okay? So simply looking on an app calendar and seeing that you're on day 14 is not a sufficient way to track your cycle or is it a way for you to tell if you are actually ovulating? In fact, less than 20% of people actually ovulate on day 14 or have a 28-day cycle. So it's really important to understand these different methods of what's going on with your particular cycle, because even your particular cycle can change month to month based off of stress or in the world of COVID, even just vaccines could shift your ovulation. So it's really important that you do not just rely on an app that says, oh, it's day 14, it's ovulation day, and 
that's what I need to use protection because that could be very far from the truth. And I think I already mentioned that it is not safe to use FAM methods until as your only form of contraceptives for at least three months post pill, because it does take some time for your body to regulate. And you just want to be extra careful during this time if you don't want to get pregnant. Okay. So I think I covered FAM to, you know, as much as I possibly could. If you have more questions about it, you can either check out the other podcast with Melissa, which we'll link in the show notes, or you can check out the new um, program that I created for you guys all about this, where Melissa is actually featured inside of this program and walks everyone through it. Okay. So menstrual products, a lot of people are curious about what should I use? Maybe you haven't had a period in a really long time and you have no idea what to use when the bleeding comes. So there's a few different options. I mean, there's a lot of options out there, but the ones that are the most common are tampons, pads, period underwear, or even a menstrual cup. My only warning to you is that you try a few options in case you don't know how the cup will work or you don't know if the bleeding is going to be too heavy, for example, with period underwear. I usually use a combination of tampons and period underwear. I use the Thanks brand for period underwear. There's, I think, NYX brand. There's a lot of brands out there right now. Um, And for tampons, I use a variety of different organic um, tampons, and I will link some of my favorites inside the show notes as well, so you guys can check them out and see if they would be a good fit for you. The really important consideration here is whether or not the brands are properly sourcing their materials, and you want to look out for things like organic cotton and make sure things that you're putting into such a sensitive part of your body aren't sprayed with chemicals or synthetic fragrances. This can be super inflammatory to you and your pelvic bowl, and it's the last thing you need when you are trying to have a peaceful period. In fact, I know many women who have just made this switch alone, and they've found that it's gotten their period pain to reduce. So what types of things are normal, and what should I be concerned about if I'm coming off of birth control and I have symptoms pop up? So if you're anything like I was, you're probably under the impression that cramps, pimples, PMS, and migraines just come with, I don't know, the territory of being a woman. But this couldn't be further from the truth because in actuality, when you bleed every month doesn't mean that you have to suffer. In fact, those symptoms are most commonly related to hormonal imbalances. And when we transition off birth control, they can definitely rear their ugly head because perhaps we were masking all of our symptoms with the synthetic birth control we were on. I know that was definitely the case for me, and it certainly took me some time to get my hormones back under control. But once I did, they became my greatest superpower, which is something that I love talking about. You guys know this. I love talking about hormones as superpowers. But so often we just skip this and we think, oh, we have this awful clusters of symptoms and there's nothing I can do. And I just have to go back on birth control. But there's so much more that we can actually do. So I'm going to paint three different scenarios for you because these are the three different hormonal imbalances that I see most commonly after someone comes off birth control and they end up in my office. So perhaps you're experiencing PMS, irritability, anger, and you're crying all the time, combining that with some brain fog and maybe some unexpected weight gain. These symptoms are most commonly associated with post-pill estrogen dominance or estrogen excess. 
This is super common post pill as your liver has truly been burdened by this medication for years and it can make it challenging for your body to clear natural estrogen the way it was supposed to. And when you add on the fact that birth control can cause intestinal imbalances and yeast overgrowth, this is a place in your gut where estrogen is detoxed out. And we've talked about this a lot in the podcast too. There's even a podcast all about how your poop is linked to your estrogen um, detoxification. This is super, super important and something I see all over my clients' labs. And when we have this overburdened liver and this imbalanced gut microbiome, our estrogen really cannot get out of the body efficiently. And that can cause this cluster of symptoms that really makes having your period or at least the week before your period pretty unbearable. But as you work on cleaning up the liver, maybe you're adding in liver supportive foods or supplements, this can truly start to shift. You might also want to think about alcohol consumption as just one alcoholic beverage does increase your estrogen by 10% and xenoestrogens, which are coming into your body from things like plastics and BPAs. You may also need some gut support here things like fermented foods, probiotics, and prebiotics from food or from supplements might be helpful. But this is typically a place where I say test and don't guess because so often when we clean up the gut after we've tested through a GI MAPS stool test, that's when we see, oh, there's a yeast overgrowth, there's a parasitic infection, there's this, there's that. And without that information, we can kind of spin our wheels for months, if not years, having all these upstream or downstream issues like PMS or irritability when in reality the problem is the stagnation in our gut. So you can, you know, you guys know you can always reach out to me about questions about this. You can um, always book a call. We'll, We'll link all of this into the show notes in case you are in that place where you've been struggling for a long time and you do need to get to that next level of testing. So there's another hormonal picture that I want to paint for you that is super common. I see it so often when someone comes off the pill. So this woman is experiencing trouble sleeping combined with anxiety. She might be losing her hair and she's feeling swollen and or puffy. So this could be a sign of low progesterone, which often coincides with the first picture I painted for you, estrogen excess. And this is, oh my gosh, this is just such a culprit of hormonal chaos post-pill. The most important thing with low progesterone really is to get you ovulating regularly again, which is why it makes so much sense that this is so common, right? Because I told you earlier, the main mechanism of action between um, your brain and your ovaries being shut down is what happens with the pill. So when when you come off the pill, all of a sudden your brain's like, oh wait, I have to release FSH and I have to release LH and all these things have to happen in this symphony so that you ovulate. Okay. And so your body may have not done that for what, five, 10, 15 years. So we got to give it some time to get you ovulating again. Now, in addition, something I have seen really derail my clients is emotional stress. Dialing down stress is so important for progesterone. They just don't work together because evolutionarily, if you were under a lot of stress, your body would know not to make a baby, which means it would know not to ovulate, which means it would know not to make any progesterone. So when you're stressed out, 
your body knows this and it will try to support that and help you with that by not ovulating, by not creating a chance that you can get pregnant. So when we come off the pill, if you're in a super stressful situation, that could be causing some of the symptoms I just talked about. You might want to talk to your provider about the uses of Vitex, vitamin B6, or vitamin C, or even bioidentical progesterone for this particular hormone imbalance. But remember, it is really important that you test and you don't guess. You want to speak to your provider about what's best for your specific body. And I do recommend when these symptoms are kind of spiraling out of control and it's been three plus months since coming off birth control, I do recommend a Dutch complete, which is something that can just really help you understand and get a full picture of all your hormones and what they're doing and how they're playing off of each other now that you're off the medication. Okay, last but not least, there is a third type of post-birth control syndrome um, or post-birth control symptom complex, I'll call it, that I see very, very often. And that is a woman who's dealing with acne, hair growth on their chin, their chest, and their abdomen, and hair loss on their head. These symptoms could indicate high androgens or male sex hormones like testosterone. This is extremely, extremely common after transitioning off birth control. It's called post-pill androgen rebound. This is when you stop the pill, that, and that when you stop the pill, you're also stopping a suppression of hormones, right? We've kind of talked about this earlier. And that could include a suppression of testosterone. So when your hormones aren't being blocked anymore, it's like, well, bam, say hello to all these hormones again, including testosterone. And this one is a super important imbalance to discuss because so, so, so many women are diagnosed with PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome when in fact they are having PCOS-like symptoms without actually having PCOS or even something called post-pill PCOS. And the most frustrating part of this is that many women will go to their doctor and the only thing that they're presented with is going back on birth control, which they might not want to do, right? There was a reason they came off of it in the first place. So this is definitely one of those places where we also want to test and not guess, get that Dutch test because herbs, supplements, and medications could truly do you more harm than good. And you may find the following tests helpful to consider speaking with your provider, or you can even reach out to me. This is stuff that we do in our practice all the time. You want to be looking at things like insulin and sex hormone binding globulin, follicle stimulating hormone, luteinizing hormone, and even inflammatory markers like HSCRP. So you want to see, am I having a blood sugar issue? Am I having a signaling issue with my brain? Or am I having an issue with inflammation? These types of clues can help you understand what would a comprehensive protocol look like. For example, you might want to try something like saw palmetto or zinc or vitamin D and nettle, which all help with excess testosterone. But you would need to confirm that through lab testing to make sure that that is something you need. Or perhaps you're trying to support sex hormone binding globulin. Green tea can be extremely helpful with this. But you wouldn't just want to start drinking green tea necessarily for no reason and spending your money on that if it's not going to be helping you. Although green tea is pretty safe and it's definitely something that's lovely to have. Um, and then maybe the symptoms are being caused by blood sugar imbalances. In that case, something like chromium, cinnamon, magnesium, or inositol could be really, really helpful. Or perhaps you're just super, super inflamed, right, from either 
the birth control pill or many other things that can inflame us. Okay. And that, in that case, maybe something like turmeric or omega-3s could really help you lower your inflammation and make your hormones cooperate and signal to each other properly. So you can see this can get very, very, very confusing quickly, which is why I do believe it is best to work with a practitioner who knows your case, who can run the appropriate labs, and who can give you a comprehensive and holistic protocol to follow to get you the answers that you're looking for. Because honestly, this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to all you have to know about transitioning off birth control, which is definitely why I'm just so excited that I did create this standalone course for you to dive into this a little bit deeper on your own time. And you can definitely just go ahead, check out that link. It's going to be in the show notes. It's called I'm off birth control. Now what? A woman's guide to supporting your body after the pill. I hope that you find it super helpful. You can always reach out to me through DMs if you have questions about this podcast. Remember, please get a good healthcare team. Please speak with your medical doctor about all of these things. Don't just start taking random supplements because you have a symptom. So often your symptoms can be related to such a bigger mechanism at play, which is why working with someone you trust and getting a full protocol is so important so that you don't waste your time, your money, your energy, doing the wrong thing, or just kind of keeping yourself stagnant. I hope that this has been incredibly helpful for you. Remember what I said, there's a few different buckets. You want to learn how to track your cycle, to learn when you're fertile so you can prevent pregnancy or help you to get pregnant. You want to make sure that you are using menstrual products that are healthy and safe for your vaginal area. And you want to be mindful of some common symptoms that pop up and remind yourself that those symptoms, although very, very common, are not normal and they are not things that you have to put up with. There are people, there are practices out there that can help you reverse these symptoms. And that is really important so that you can truly step into the woman you're supposed to be and let go of all those crazy symptoms, all of those crazy things that could be prohibiting you from fully thriving in your life. So this has been an incredibly fun podcast for me to put together. As always, my DMs are open on Instagram at She Talks Health. I hope this has been helpful. I hope all the links in the show notes are helpful for you too, all the discount codes and everything. So I will see you guys on another episode of the She Talks Health podcast in a couple of weeks. I hope this episode got you one step closer to achieving your optimal health. If you liked this episode, please spend a few seconds to rate it so more women can find this resource. Be sure to tune in for more women's health support next week on the She Talks Health podcast. And in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at She Talks Health. I have an open door DM policy. No question is stupid and I'm always here for you.